Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. to work. I just want to bang out this drum all day. Me too. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, we just, we don't want to work. We want to bang out a drum all day. We want to just do this podcast. So what's shaking my bacons out there in the world? How's your brains doing? Hopefully good. We wish, we wish your brains could telepathically answer us. I know. Man, can you imagine what this will be like if we ever get to do things live? Like if we have like a show? Oh, guys, help us do that. Help us do that. Okay, oh share your shrink things, Patreon, of course. Oh, yes. Yep, that's the way to help us do that. Oh, my God, please. That would be so great. <laughs> yeah, we're begging. But if you don't, that's okay, too. We're we're here. We're in it to win it. We're enjoying right. the process. So. Definitely. And yeah, send us your emails, guys. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know your questions. Let us send know us what's in your stories. heart. Yeah. What's in your heart? What's in your belly? What's that email again? things at gmail.com. Beauty. Baby. <laughs> so how was your week? It was good. I I got to have a whole weekend. What? I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was a good song we made. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> We're very musical. Um, it was good. It was, it was nice. It's relaxing. I, I really just kind of rested and cleaned and, you know, did things that felt like they had been getting neglected for myself. Yeah. I hear you. I've been burning the candle at both ends. It is a personality trait. I am working on it. (laughs) The end. (laughs) The end. So what's good over there in your neck of the woods? Stories? Fun facts about you I didn't know? Mm, I was just going to go with trees. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Trees are good. What? Okay. What kind? What trees are we talking about, Michaela? Trees are so beautiful. Okay. No. Legitimate. I do. You know trees is weed, right? What? Yeah. You know trees is like a... A slang for weed? Yeah. It's, there's like a Reddit called like R Trees, I think. It's just about weed. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so you're just like... <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, I don't mind that stuff either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I was talking about like legitimate like oak and pine and, you know, What you like Aspen. about those trees? I just... I appreciate the air that they provide. They're so pretty. When the wind blows through the leaves, just I the, like the sound. sound. Yeah. Like sometimes I legitimately want to ha- hug a tree and sometimes I legitimately do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course you hug a tree. Of yeah. course you hug a tree. Like sometimes it's just so nice to just notice the trees, guys. Go on a walk and notice the trees. Again, that green space helps with mental it health. It does. It helps a lot, guys. The more you get in nature, the better your mental health will be for some reason i thought you were gonna say the more you get naked i I thought we've established that we maybe shouldn't do that with people (laughs) the more you get nature (laughs) winky 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 this michaela talk about trees (laughs) uh what about you what's good or you got a funny story 
Well, I thought I would lay some info on you about some really cool, just some fun facts about me. Okay. So I, I have touched a wolf before. Ooh. I have touched a dolphin before. Okay. I have touched an elephant before. Very nice. I have touched a stingray before. Nice. I could go on. I have swam with a shark before. <gasps> and I've touched a lot of snakes. Cool. Yes. Do you want to know why this is? Tell me more. So fun facts. I grew up kind of in like not the best neighborhood. Wait, so these were not like zoo exposures? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining a zoo and now I'm hearing that the wolf just walked up to you in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, so I grew up in kind of like, so I grew up in a trailer park, single wide, what, what? <laughs> I ate a lot of goober grape and cheese sandwiches. Like, we didn't always... Goober grape? What you know it? what goober grape is? No. It's a, oh God, it's probably made in like a chemical dump somewhere, honestly. Is it like a type of jelly? It is a peanut butter and jelly mixture. Oh. I'm not even confident it's actually made of peanut butter and jelly, but it is a peanut butter and jelly. Like- and you put it with a cheese? No, well, uh, my sister did. I oh. ate just like straight up Kraft Singles cheese sandwiches with okay. mayo. Yeah, yeah. And or a goober grape oh, Okay, sandwich. okay. Just, I was imagining together. Well, it could be goober, goober strawberry, I guess, too. That's oh. an option as well. It's kind of like in the same department as like Twinkies and like Easy Mac. And, okay. Like it will stop your heart, but <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of it, a lot of it. And so like this is kind of the context of, you know, where I've grown up, which is cool. It's all good in the hood, yeah. so to speak. But because of that, my family was maybe not always the most proper, so to speak. We did a lot of bizarre stuff that probably wouldn't have necessarily been socially acceptable. acceptable. Oh, Many would call it inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Mucho inappropriate. <laughs> and so, for example, when I touched a wolf, I remember a member of my family deciding when we were at the zoo, I know that your fam- favorite animal is wolves. You have this dope wolf t-shirt with all the lightning bolts in the back we're gonna find the wolf even though we can't see it now so we walked around like this i don't even know what to describe it as like compound and went behind a bunch of these trees and the wolves were like backed into this corner and i just stuck my hand through and petted them that is not okay. No. Like, <laughs> if a zoo staff would have seen you, they would have been like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just we just petted them. And it was kind of the same way with the dolphin. So similarly, I had a really – he was a fascinating gentleman of an uncle. And he took me to SeaWorld and held me out over the tank. Oh, like, shit. Literally over the dolphin <laughs> tank as people were like, sir, you are going to drop that toddler into the dolphin tank and she will be lost forever. And you like, I don't care. She's going to pet this dolphin. Yeah. And I petted <laughs> a dolphin. And in, in many similar ways, this was how either through zero experience in the situation with the stingrays, I just got trapped in the ocean by my family. Oh, God. wasn't looking. <laughs> and there was like a series of stingrays around me. And I was like, whoa, I should probably just pet this thing. And it's pretty much, what I am telling you is the fun fact about myself is it's a wonder I haven't been murdered by nature. Yeah. You had a, a good vibe about you. And they were like, eh, we don't need to kill this one. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> they were like it's too helpless. Like, this would be easy. She doesn't even know what she's doing right now. <laughs> Friggin' kill Steve Irwin. Friggin' animal expert. And this right. random right. kids in the ocean just petting me. Whatevs. <laughs> this tiny moron. <laughs> They just like let me go. They let me live another day. But that's so I'm here. That's why I'm here on this pot. I was once I was in 
well, a couple of times I was in Central America and I just got snakes put around my shoulders. Ooh. Just to, hey, here's the snake. You want to pet it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, buddy, you want to pet it? I want to pet every animal. That's uh, nice. Yeah. I would chase snakes to try to catch them. Oh, did you ever do the thing when you were young where you would catch garter snakes? Yeah. Yeah. So My dad hated snakes, though. Oh, no. Like, like passionately would like <laughs> chop them up into tiny little bits and throw them in the air kind oh. of shit <laughs> <laughs> that is so graphic what kind of issues do you got you want to talk about your childhood or no snake blood everywhere <laughs> <laughs> he was very indiana jones about it yeah snakes. very much why did it have to be snakes <laughs> too bad okay so what was your uh outside of the pod experiment what'd you try last week i, I think i remember but Something about breathing, probably. Yeah, the breathing and the boundaries. So, yeah. So, I mean, they, I would say we're trucking and slowly improving. That's you know? awesome. Uh, like I said, I, I was able to have a full weekend to myself. So, good boundary there. I said no to certain things. And uh, then with the breathing and the meditation, um, I've been trying to carve out more time for each. And it's been good. So, how was your experiment? How did your, your stuff go? Well, I actually... I tried to be a little less goal-directed with clients in the sense Mm -hmm. of just not kind of putting my own agendas on them, not always my own timeline. And I feel actually like I learned a lot more about them. And Mm. I'm trying to continue to improve always as a therapist. And I really felt like – actually, it was funny because the more I let the people I was seeing engage in their own kind of journey and let – them guide me I actually felt like I wasted less time Mm -hmm. so it was like I didn't have to keep going back to some stuff so it's just a good reminder I mean I like to think of myself as a pretty seasoned therapist I like to think of myself as a good therapist right and I still need to have reminders about what helps people the most yeah but I think that's what makes you a good therapist to me is is that you always continue to reflect on yourself and tried to do better, you know, what yeah. what worked with this person? Oh, it worked because I let them process their shit aloud instead of me trying to... Yeah, manipulate you know, or move it along in yeah, some sort of... make it go faster. Yeah, you guys, I really do my best not to be a, a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> a garbage can? You're definitely not a garbage can. Uh, I am Oscar the Grouch. I live inside of one. I am a garbage can. <laughs> let oh, me, Lordy. let me be one! <laughs> so... I, th- I wanted to talk a little bit for this pod about how to pick a therapist. And the therapist you choose is probably one of the most pe- important pieces of therapy journey. Both of us have seen some buck wild therapists. Mm. And to illustrate a point, we just wanted to tell you a couple of like some little crazy things that we've heard to just kind of wet your whistle. And this is this really exists. These are things we're, we've de-identified a lot of these things, but these things have really happened. Yes. And so this is this is the reality to be aware of to make sure that this doesn't happen to you. Right. To to decide that, okay, this therapist clearly isn't for me. Let's go find a new one. Right. <laughs> so for example, there was a another podcast actually called The Shrink Next Door. Oh. Yeah. And during this podcast, it's really good. It talks about this guy. He's like a New Yorker. And he comes into his therapist's office. And his therapist is kind of like weirdly mean to him, but Mm. does some kind of effective things up front for the guy. Like helps him kind of set boundaries. Like one of the guy's main issues is setting boundaries and always appeasing other people. And so he keeps coming back. 
And over time, these insane things start to happen. So first of all, he starts to charge him. He starts to kind of like upcharge him more mm. without any previous consent. Then he starts to say that the guy who's seeing him needs to come in like two or three times a week. Oh, my. Instead of like once a week or once every other week. Yeah. Even when the guy says, yeah, like, I think I'm actually doing better. He starts to tell the guy that. Boundaries. Yeah, exactly. He starts to tell the guy that he doesn't actually, he's not actually getting better when he thinks he is. And it gets to the point where he even co-ops control of the patient's house. <gasps> like he ends up getting a hold of the patient's credit card. Oh my gosh. His, yeah. His home. He he throws parties what? at the patient's home. Yeah. No shit. Uh. And he ends up basically, the patient ends up basically being the groundskeeper for his own home while the therapist lives there. I think it was, I want to say it was a psychiatrist. I'm not exactly sure, but it was somebody performing therapy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is the thing that happened. And when I heard this, honestly, I didn't even, I was like, yeah, yep. Not surprised, unfortunately. That that sounds like something wild. Have you ever heard of anything like that before? I have heard of something sort of like that where... A therapist like became really buddy buddy with their their they, you know they became best friends and they were started hanging out outside of oh no yes do not do not do not guys this this is, is a professional a relationship if they start wanting to be your friend and do things with you outside that is not therapeutic you have to run you that's yeah that's a flag yeah so she started to you know hang out with them and and do stuff and then she wanted to go on a trip with this person and of course then this the the client ended up like paying for both of them to go on this trip yeah and then when the client was finally like trying to be like okay well you're also like overcharging me over here and this over that the the person the therapist was like just taking all their money man and and wouldn't pay them back for the extravagant trip that she the therapist had forced the client to go on and pay for yeah i actually had heard of that same story uh i I think i know which which one you're talking about about. yeah 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 yeah. it was like a cruise or Mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh and in the effort to conserve this person's privacy basically i don't even think that person lost their license like that's the crazy part i'm yes, pretty that sure that is the crazy part yeah but i'm pretty sure they're real. still practicing really yeah oh, yeah and, and that's something pretty common right unfortunately like, yeah people people will report things and there's like a slap on the wrist right it, it can absolutely happen so i've also well i guess when I was studying for, there's a licensure exam that we have to take as yep. psychologists, for example. So when I was studying for the licensure exam, they talked about the most likely group of people to violate client boundaries. And it was really weird. I don't know why I just found it so weird, but like apparently like men in their 50s or something like that are the most likely group of therapists to violate, to violate yeah, to specifically to sleep with their clients. <gasps> Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I had no idea. Creep. I had no creep, idea. Creep, creep. I literally had to learn it for a test. That's how important it is, I guess. Whoa. So, yeah. And obviously, both of us have heard of just insane stories of therapists sleeping with patients, mm. forming romantic relationships yes. with patients. I literally have a friend who went to therapy and who later then found out her therapist was sleeping with a client. Oh, and my gosh. Lost her license when it had to go on a sabbatical after that. And so these things happen. And just not even harmful stuff but just buck wild stuff sometimes yeah right like one time (laughs) i at one point in time had a supervisor who would legitimately fall asleep (laughs) in the room with clients (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like I'm not even joking you. She would just kind of like uh, nod doze off. off. Did Which, they see it? Like yeah. Well, oh God. The, the way I found out, the crazy part was, is I actually had a, a different supervisor with narcolepsy who never fell asleep in a uh, room with clients. Poor person. Yeah. yeah, and so she like, God, she did everything that she could to manage this. She was just such a good yeah. angel of a human being. I really loved this human. It wasn't. The provider with narcolepsy who was falling asleep in the room with patients. And the way I found out was we had this mutual patient that was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's falling asleep in the room with me. And I was pretty inexperienced at the time. And I was like, there's no no freaking way. Right. And then at one point in time, we had to have a joint session for reasons that I won't disclose. And I literally saw it happen. And I had to surreptitiously kind of like jolt her with my foot. And I, I mean, obviously, I was like, okay. Is like is something okay? Right. With yeah. This that's person? my first thought. Would be like, yeah. are you sick? Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Which, hey, listen, it could be everybody. That's fine. We're you people can, too, guys. Yeah. yeah, we can have empathy for people who are in these situations, but it is part of our ethical credo as therapists to recognize when we're struggling, to recognize mm-hmm. when we aren't okay, and we're not okay to practice specifically. Yes. This is the same with physicians, right? Right. Yeah. You don't want your physician coming in all like after a Tired. emotional breakup and yeah. didn't sleep all night, and Drunk, now he's supposed high. to freaking uh, surgery on your heart. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's part of our credo to be like, okay. Listen, I am. I'm just not in a so state tired. of mind to do this. Yeah. yeah, and to stay home, right? Mm. So it's like a smaller issue, but it's still an issue. It's still something that came up for somebody, right? I had uh, a person who I was running groups with, uh, who was a male, and it was a. We were trying to. The, I ran. <laughs> what were you doing, Mikhail? What were you trying know, to do? <laughs> I know. I, so I was running domestic violence groups. I was oh. running sex offender groups, and this gentleman that I was co-facilitating with was worse basically than the offenders and sweet yeah and so I would be trying to you know help them learn different things about different perspectives and and what maybe their partners are thinking or maybe why that was inappropriate and this person would just come in and say the most sexist comment or make the most like nastiest sexual joke mm-hmm. in the middle of a freaking sex offender group yeah i mean you cannot just, do this oh my gosh it, it was it was the worst to co-facilitate with this person right oh. right and they exist it, it's weird because they come in all shapes and sizes yes these weird weird therapist people these pod people <laughs> and we don't know how they get through we don't know how they get through but yes. it's but it's like everything it's like every profession there's going to be somebody who's yes. bizarre i wish to god that weren't the case but there's it's, it's gonna every, happen it's in every group of people do mm-hmm. not overgeneralize. every single profession has a few bad eggs yeah bad apples stinky know. eggs yeah, <laughs> right so Basically, we're saying that if you encounter one of these people, it's not weird. Just get out of there. Yeah. You don't need to – and don't put us on a pedestal, right? Right. If you think something's weird, if you smell something fishy, get the hell out of right. there. Right. If they are talking more about themselves than listening to you – This is a problem. This is a problem. You know, you can relate. It can be very therapeutic to normalize and, you know, share a little bit about yourself occasionally. Right. But that's occasionally and that is – only for the client's best interest. Like we are not supposed to share about ourselves unless it is going to benefit you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we're definitely going to get into at some point in time here what makes a good therapist versus a bad therapist. But those are our oh shit stories to let you know like to take this part seriously. Right. we don't want anybody to get 
you know, any kind of harm. Taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll start out with the different types of therapists. We just want you to know a little bit about how the different therapists are trained, what the kind of names are. So right. obviously there's social work. Right. You want to lay that on me? What I kind mean, of social workers are there? <laughs> okay. So to be a social worker and practice, you have to have your certified master of social worker license. And you also have to have your licensed mental health practitioner license. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that, you can also, you know, take a step up. But ultimately, you have to have your master's degree. You have to pass uh, a licensure exam. Um, you have to collect so many hours under supervision. Uh, to be qualified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's social work. And yeah. what's some things social workers tend to be pretty good at? Person and environment. Right. That, that is a big social work concept is take it all in. What is what is all the factors that are contributing to this thing? Right. You know, instead of looking at the glass half empty or glass full, can we just fucking refill the glass? Right. <laughs> right. Right. And I think, too, social work tends to be – we see a lot of social workers in, like, case management. Yes. And so they do things that are more related to, like, gathering people resources from time to time. Right, right. Instead of just telling you, go find this thing, they'll at least give you the resources to find the thing. Right. Like, housing or whatever. You right. name the thing, they have helped in the past probably find it. And some social workers do therapy, right? Yeah. So that's kind of one of the possible therapists you might see. Another type of therapist you might see the na- the letters behind it would be a PhD or a PsyD, which just means that's a psychologist. And usually the training for that is an undergraduate degree, four years, and five to seven years in a doctoral program. What happens in the doctoral program? Usually PhD is a little bit more research heavy. PsyD is a little bit more clinical heavy. Both mm. are good. Mm-hmm. And... They both have to do an internship, which is a year of clinical practice, and then many go on to do a residency, which is like a specialization for a year or two. And then there's a licensure exam, kind of a a similar process as social work. There is licensed independent somethings. So this is going to be across different states. Yes. There are different... um, so, like, I've heard it called licensed independent mental health provider, for example, right. which is neither a social worker or a psychologist. Or it could be a little bit of, it, I mean. It's like a fusion yes, kind of. Yes, because I technically have that as well. I have, yes. like, 12 different licensures for my one thing that I do. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you, usually it's somebody with a master's, though. You'll see yeah. somebody with an LIMH is somebody with a master's degree, and they can practice independently without Correct. supervision. Correct, right. When it basically. comes to major mental illness, they are able to diagnose, they're able to do the treatment. Right. Whereas if you were not independently licensed within at least our state, some other states don't have this level, mm-hmm. they would require some type of technical supervision or somebody who could sign off on what they're doing. Right. So there's also different types of there's there's masters or doctoral level counseling programs right yeah there's just you know certified counselors and certified marriage family therapists yes these are kind of the main so you might see lmft licensed marriage and family therapist is Mm -hmm. what that would mean and again you might just see masters phd behind a counselor's name for example yeah and the social worker thing is normally um lcsw is the general yeah is the word soup right the one thing I think we could clarify, too, I feel like a lot of people get confused with psychologists and psychiatrists. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. So, um, yeah. yeah. So a psychiatrist is a medication prescriber. That is somebody who is 
did medical school mm-hmm. and is going to prescribe you your psychiatric meds, whereas the psychologist is generally more the therapist or mm-hmm. the researcher. Mm-hmm. Yep, therapist, diagnostician, or researcher. So right. psychiatrists will have MD, medical doctor, DO, doctor of osteopathy. They could also be, there are nurse practitioners who mm-hmm. are... Yep. Psychiatric, yes, APRNs, psychiatric nurse practitioners, and PAs, uh, physicians' assistants. assistants. Yeah, they can prescribe. Yep, these people all prescribe medications, but that's different than it people is. who provide therapy. Right, but I know it gets confused a lot, so I felt like it needed that's to grow. That's a yeah. really great point, a really great point. Lots of people are like, "Am I? what are you, a psychiatrist? Yes. <laughs> no, my dude, I do not prescribe the happy feels. I, you right. can call me Dr. Feelgood, though. Dr. Feelgood. All right. I feel feel like with me and the other social workers sometimes people do call us doctor mm-hmm. when we don't actually technically have our doctorate mm-hmm. and it, it sometimes sucks to have to clarify that it's like, <laughs> actually i only have my masters <laughs> it's just bacala <laughs> you don't have to call me doctor i had a patient uh, I had a patient who called me Dr. G Unit for a long time. G Unit? Oh, my <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten G Money too a couple of times, which I think is really funny. Uh, so there's also things that are not quite. So there's. Yeah, like life coaches. Is that where you're going? That is exactly yes. what I was going oh, to talk man. about. There are things that are not quite a therapist. Right. But is a life coach. So I've totally run into the gamut of life coaches. I, I am not, let me be clear. I am not aware of the formal certification or training to be a life coach. No. You can get certified or trained to be a life coach or a health coach Mm -hmm. specifically, but it is not always required to market yourself that way. No, it is not a title protected Under a license. Yes. Yes. So, So with all the other things that we talked about, all of those licenses are title protected. So if somebody calls themselves a social worker and they are technically not a social worker, they have never done the schooling, they have never taken the tests, then they can technically be fined. They can have, you know, the hell of social work rain down on them for calling themselves something that they're not. Whereas life coaches and those people are not title protective. So somebody can just say, yeah, I'm a life coach and I'm trained in all these things, but they don't have to necessarily back it up. Right. Exactly. They don't even have to, they don't have to have a bachelor's degree. And no. I am not saying that people can't. There are some really good ones yes. out there, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are really good ones. But be aware of what you're looking at right. in regards to what your issue is. If you're, if you're trying to come to somebody for like some pretty moderate to severe depression or anxiety or something like that, I might not start with a life coach. Like personally, no. that would not be my flavor profile to start with. If you're more like you're doing really well and you just want to explore yourself a little bit yeah, more and just kind of see your goals. Right. That might be more of a life coach sort of scenario. Right. Or like a health coach. I mean, yeah. if you're really just really trying to get better with your physical health or eating better, you know, that yeah. might be... Quit smoking. Yeah. Whatever. That might actually be a great yeah, way that, to go. That would be totally fine. There's also religious counselors mm, and, and yeah. that's a very different thing. So yeah. somebody who would be a Christian counselor or pastoral services right. or services with any kind of Muslim, Buddhist, yeah, Yeah. faith-based counselors. So my experience with that, and you can kind of tell me what your experience with that is, is that a lot of times at least Christian counselors will sometimes market themselves similar to social workers, counselors, psychologists, and that it is very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, The philosophies, there is kind of a morality behind it. Yeah. And if you 
do ascribe to that kind of morality that's in that faith, then that may be a good fit for you. But I will say sometimes people will come to me and the morality of that faith is actually what they're struggling with a little bit. Mm. And so they want something a little more neutral to bounce off of. Right. So it really depends on what you want. I would say, though, be aware of if you're getting a Christian counselor or not uh, or a faith-based pastoral care. Right. Because if you just don't know that before you go in there and you're saying, you know, I'm an atheist, I don't really, I don't believe right. in any of this. And they try to shove something down your throat. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to be conducive for you. Yeah, exactly. Have you had any experiences with people going to? Not really. Like, I haven't had too many reports of that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I knew, I know as a person myself, like, I very much am aware of people's faith. If that is a huge coping skill for them, I yes. will hell hell pull it in. Yes. But if they are, like you said, an atheist, or if they're just like, eh, then no, like that's that's not right. That would be the the difference between a social worker, for example, who's going to flex with whatever faith you're bringing to the table, and right. a faith based counselor, which that's the faith they're going to be operating from, right? And that's what they're going to be really f- encouraging you to start to do, right? <laughs> and they may view a clinical pathology or like a problem as based in the faith. So, mm. for example, maybe you're depressed because you're not praying enough or going to oh, church enough yeah. or whatever, Oof. right? <laughs> yeah. That, I, I'm not in love with that either. No. I, I have actually had – so I've had a lot of client experiences with this. Um, I don't know if this is something that – I tend to believe my clients on this. So what I've been told – I haven't seen this personally – is that they'll go into an office mm-hmm. and that they didn't know it was a faith-based counseling office okay. and that they come in for something like, you know, assault or something oh, like shit. that. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Something big. Yeah, something some, heavy. Yeah, something really heavy. And that what they're kind of met with is discussion about faith and practice rather than a trauma-informed treatment. Right. That has happened a couple of times to clients of mine. So I just want to make sure you guys know what you're right. kind of buying. Yeah, again, because we want you to feel validated. We want you to feel comfortable we want you to we want you to be able to grow and if you're walking into a place and it's very strict on what's okay and what's not okay yeah and especially morality based you know right people have different morals and that's okay yeah it is okay we just want you to be planted in the right soil some people are going to match a christian counselor or a muslim yeah, counselor or whatever definitely but not always different strokes for different folks man right there's also school counselors oh yeah mm-hmm. that's another different kind. do you know a whole lot about that my understanding is that to be a school counselor, you do have to have your teaching mm-hmm. degree. Yep. So I don't know. It's if, like an ed D or something. Yeah. I think they take like an, an extra course or so mm-hmm. kind of in counseling type stuff. But I don't – it's not near the the yeah. counseling therapy stuff that we go through. Right. You can get It's a, more education teacher-based. Right. You can get a doctorate in it definitely and get it more like – just kind of yeah yeah yeah. just just move forward a little bit in that but it is there is an educational flavor to it Mm -hmm. more than there is a A therapeutic flavor right exactly exactly there there is definitely still a therapeutic flavor but just in regards to the difference between social workers psychologists and counselors that would be the main difference right oftentimes psychologists social work whatever we can be housed in forensics which mm. is interesting. So you may see us. Well, where would you see us, Michaela? <laughs> I mean, so forensics, you could see us in the prisons, in the paroles, mm-hmm. um, in community programs, in hospitals and clinics, mm-hmm. you know, private practice. There's a lot of places that you can find some form of counseling or therapy. Yes, yes. So, and there's also something called neuropsychologists. 
which is something that let's say you've had a brain injury. So for example, I worked in a brain injury clinic for a while. And part of the thing that we would do in the brain injury clinic is help people to see what their baseline was. Let's say somebody had a stroke. Mm -hmm. So maybe I would do a neurocognitive assessment. And that assessment would include a battery of tests to determine how good somebody's attention was, Mm -hmm. the variables about their speech, their memory, uh, the ability to organize things. And I would get some percentiles for how this this person was doing relative to other people their age and their education level, et cetera. And then we'd maybe retest them again in a couple months and see what their progress was like and maybe make some recommendations based Mm -hmm. on how their progress had been going over time. So that would be... That would a be neuro a neuropsychologist. Side. Yeah. And I will say that... You know, also, neuropsychologists are so weird. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there are I some love- colorful ones. I'm definitely... I love you. If you're listening to this and you're a neuropsychologist, I love you. I really do. Y'all are the weirdest people, and I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with many of you. <laughs> I, I will say that psychologists kind of have the uh, assessment f- field of stuff cornered. Yeah. You know, the thing with being title protected is certain... We boxed out, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Certain (laughs) people are allowed to do certain things. So there are certain assessments that a social worker would not be allowed to conduct. That's a great point, actually. I think our listeners would not actually know that. And I think even a lot of people in our field don't know that. (laughs) Right. There are a lot of people who practice outside their scope, unfortunately. Yes. Like if we go back to those those, uh, terrible therapists, I also know of one who was provisionally licensed, which means that you literally just graduated, you still have not taken an exam, and you still have not collected your hours. Do not pass go. Um, <laughs> go to prison? <laughs> no. But they uh, they thought that they knew best about somebody's medications. <gasps> no. They had like a counseling degree, They thought, and they would go march down to medical oh, and no. try to dictate what somebody's medications were. Lord have mercy I on know. my soul. I know. This person. I can barely. I, I'm telling you. Wow. Okay. So people practice outside their scope sometimes, but just be aware that certain fields are allowed to do certain things they have sometimes. Certain limitations. Yeah. Yes. So like for assessments, to just expand upon the types of assessments a psychologist might do, for example, first ones would be neuropsychological assessments like what I described but we also do assessments uh, personality profiles those can help to determine whether somebody would be like a good fit for a job or Mm -hmm. not for example Uh, police officers really commonly get uh, personality profiles done pilots yeah yeah that makes sense things like that we try to pick up on if there's going to be any problem in the career right we can also do you know autism spectrum assessments really just really broad any kind of like clinical issue obviously PTSD, depression, your run-of-the-mill stuff. But that actually brings me to another type of psychologist I totally forgot to mention. It's not a counselor, but it's loosely related, an industrial organizational psychologist. Oh, I don't think I've heard of that. Yeah, so I actually, funny enough, clinical psychologists will sometimes moonlight in industrial organizational psychology. Mm. So it's basically like a psychologist, an HR psychologist. Yeah. So you determine what types of personnel to hire. Right. How to retain those personnel, how to make those personnel happy, how to get the most productivity out of those personnel, which is why I'm always freaking talking about retention. And like, I, yeah, I'm yeah. like really up the butt of that because <laughs> like I, I used to move, I used to do that from time yeah. to time. And so it's a fun kind of like side gig if you, 
you know, are getting a little burnout on therapy, a lot of psychologists will end up doing that just because, again, the market's cornered on assessments. So like, eh, might as well. Right, it's yeah. It's an open job market. Right. And there are obviously assessments that social workers All or other assess- counselors can do. Yes. Yeah, like dep- depression. Yes, yes. Anxiety. We can do different screenings. We can do different assessments. And there are some times that we can get trained for specific things. Yes. And be allowed to utilize them um, to and, – and while you're talking about those different psychologists, I will note – there are different social work too. Like you yes. can, I was a clinically focused social work. So I was focused. She is special. You I guys. was specialized. Not everybody is like this. <laughs> really? <laughs> she is really special. <laughs> yeah, I mean I that. was specialized in the therapeutic process and yes. you can get specialized in the case management stuff. You can get specialized in like business management. Yes. You can, you know, and kind of like the HR management. level. Yeah. Interesting. Like there, there are, there are various focuses that you can do when you're getting that degree as well so I don't want to discount that when we're right. talking right that's a hmm, that's a really good point it's my understanding that the kind of thing that you are the focused on therapy side of social worker yeah can at times be more rare that you really are a special butterfly you know a lot more interventions maybe I've seen more case management a lot yeah I think um a lot of therapists tend to just do the generalist route I see and because then, you know, because the, the beauty of doing social work is you can do about anything. You know, yeah. if you get burnt out with one field or one type of thing, you can totally switch that gig and do something 100% different. Yeah. You want to work in a school? Cool. You now want to work in a prison? Cool. Right. You want to do case management? You want to do therapy? You know, like right. there's a lot of ways that you can change what you do. And so I think a lot of people do the generalist thing and then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Just some places, again, that you may find any kind of mental health worker that does therapy. Michaela mentioned a couple of them earlier. So the first one is private practice. Yep. And we're going to be just basically seeing patients all day long, doing therapy, bread and butter. Yep. Billing insurance, in and out. That is basically what happens in private practice. Maybe some groups, but mostly individual. There's hospitals. Yes. I think both of us has worked in hospitals before, right? Yeah. So there is... You can be on, I've been on inpatient units. I, yep, I've been on both, inpatient, outpatient. Right, you can be inpatient, outpatient. Inpatient can include anything. It's There's psychiatric inpatient for people who are hospitalized due to mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. But I've also been on medical inpatient. Oh, yeah. Which means that, so like neuropsych batteries yes. going on when somebody's blown themselves up with a firework. That happens more often than you would think, right? Or in America, what? <laughs> you know, uh, fireworks. The Fourth of July was a nightmare. Uh, also, ATVs. You guys. Oh yeah, I'm telling you. Kid, uh, we had people like kids die from the, that kind of. Get yeah. off ATVs! I oh don't my like god, them, they're so fun. Wear a helmet on ATVs. That's a different. Okay. That's a different thing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I saw so many ATV accidents. <laughs> Uh, another thing that happens a lot where, where you'll see a social worker, psychologist, counselor is geriatrics units, yes. gem units, CLC, community living centers, nursing right. care. Yep, nursing home. These sorts of living. things. We do transplant evaluations for yes. organ transplants, cross-sex hormone therapy evaluations, yep. all of these things you would see in a hospital. I feel like you've covered a lot of places. The one thing I will say is I, there are really shortages in rural areas. You know, the yes. unfortunate thing is a lot of the providers are kind of stuck in in the cities. Um, there is a very big shortage in all of our rural locations for, for therapists. And I think that there's a dual thing going on there because I think that part of it is just that the resources are unfortunately in the city. So people 
they come here to get their school, they get connected with different things, and they learn how to utilize those resources. And when you go out to the rural areas, those resources aren't always available. Right. And then B, I love, I'm a, I'm a rural kid, so please do not, but rural people tend to be pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Right. And, and not as, not as inclined to maybe attend a therapy session. I hope that that continues to change. Yeah. Um, So I think it's a dual thing. Yes. This is a great point. There's, I think too, so if somebody goes, let's say a therapist is from a small town, I'm from a very small town, and you go to procure your education, right? you don't always come back. No, right? even That's if you want to, right? you get kind of sucked into whatever opportunities are present and mm-hmm. then you're, yes. you're playing it till, till, I mean, otherwise you have to try to sh- hang your own shingle Yeah, and sometimes that's stressful and, and terrifying. So you get kind of stuck in the, yeah. in the rat race of the city. Yeah. Blech. The one thing I will say is that like the video options and the telephone options yes, have, have really helped. Yeah, they've yeah. really improved. And I think people can access therapists a little bit better who are rural. I don't, you know, I don't know if they would want to necessarily all the time, but right. the access can improve. And also too, we've talked about where you can find us, but a lot of the times people talk to me about there being shortages. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that recently. There are shortages in the amount of mental health practitioners that are available in the community and yes. hospitals. It seems like... Everywhere. Every one of these settings is probably not fully staffed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I've worked in a fully staffed no, ever. hospital or practice. Anywhere. Just, anywhere. Yeah, ever. Why do you think that is? What is that? I think it's burnout, frankly. Yeah. I, I actually am certain to think the same thing. I, I, I think that people get into the field with a false sense of security that they can save the world. And then mm-hmm. when they realize that that is not the case and they're completely just burning themselves on both ends mm-hmm. and the place is trying to have them do more work than is actually feasible. Right. Then they just burn out. I th- and I they're think- like, F this S. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> F this S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, exactly, though. I think what happens is because there aren't enough of us than those of us that are are in let's say a hospital system or even a private practice whatever we get overwhelmed with the amount of patients Mm -hmm. the amount of workload the amount of expectations and i think people i've seen people just straight jump careers oh yeah right like just i just don't yep not gonna do that anymore i'd rather go you know yeah work at walmart (laughs) (laughs) my backup is always to become a park ranger (laughs) Oh my gosh, I was just like saying, thinking the same thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. we could just be park rangers just, together. We're going to go hug the trees. <laughs> we just hug the trees. And it's not a matter of these are bad people. It's just they care so much and the resources are so little. Right. So. And again, boundaries, guys. We aren't, even as therapists, we're not necessarily taught about those boundaries. And mm-hmm. so then a lot of times people, they get over invested in all those problems and they get so tore up about them that they aren't able to let it go and it ends up destroying their own lives. Right. That is absolutely part of it, and it's you sad have to, to see. really learn how to to not take it home. It's sad to see most of us don't get taught. If I'm being really honest, yeah. how to Detach. manage that? Yeah. yeah, how to manage that stress, how to reduce burnout. There's right. a lot of lip service that goes along mm. with healthcare and reducing burnout, and you're like. Well, I mean, thanks for nothing, <laughs> my dude. If you want me to reduce burnout, you have to reduce my caseload. Like, there's right. no way I can do all of these things right. at once. It's impossible. Yeah, it's just impossible. So, other places that therapists might work, just to kind of round it out, are court system, VAs, yep. uh, Veterans Affairs, military bases, DOD, prison schools, universities. Yep. You name it, we have infiltrated it. Right. 
You ask around, there might be a therapist that you could go see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. where to start, you know, ask your primary care provider, honestly. I think if you don't know who to ask first, ask your primary care provider. Yeah, if you need a therapist, first get a PCP. It's hopefully you have insurance. If you don't, we can talk about that too. But if you have insurance and you're seeing a primary care provider, they know people in the community. Right, and they can maybe send you to somebody who's actually good. Who they trust, who mm-hmm. they've sent people before to that have said, yes, that was helpful. Yeah, exactly. Your primary care provider usually will start with, a, if you want a medication, they may start with like a low-grade kind of mood stabilizer or something. Right. They're usually capable of managing that without psychiatric input. Right. And that's usually convenient for people. But again, if you want therapists, they usually know somebody. So a primary care provider is a great place to start. Yeah. Search the web. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> a, a way to search the web what my favorite website is I use Psychology Today. Oh. And Psychology Today has like a, hmm, like a series of check boxes on the side where you can select the type of provider you want, the type of issue you are searching for, and it will produce a list of providers in your area. Mm. And those those providers will, you know, yeah. You can you can test them out. You can call them, see if they're taking patients, see right. if they take your insurance. Another way to find a provider is call your insurance company and see who's what covered. providers are in network. Yeah. They, they should be able to give you a list of those providers. Right. And I will say that's one thing that again, therapy like we're so behind the curve as far as just being accepted and and covered. You know, a lot of times these insurance is not going to cover more than 12 sessions. And that's why they like these evidence-based things because Mm -hmm. they're like, "Mm, hammer it out. So do ask your insurance provider. Try to figure out what is covered, what isn't covered. Right. You know, and what you can realistically afford and do. Yeah. Uh, Another option is is if you're in a university school setting, there's Mm -hmm. usually a university counseling setting. Uh, If you want to find... Low fee services, you guys. The best way that I found to find low fee services is go to a university in your area and ask for the sliding scale clinic. Yes, sliding fee scale. That's the term to use. Yes, sliding fee scale. They'll usually have a community psychological practice that is, or a social work practice that is staffed by students and supervised by the professors. It's a great situation. You get reduced care and you get people who are really looking at your case, like lots of people. People get gun shy about students i really wouldn't be because there's a lot of people looking in on that a lot of people sometimes they'll even if you consent you'll have a couple of people just monitoring your session making sure that everything's going okay lots of eyes if it makes you uncomfortable you don't have to do that obviously but it is a way to get a reduced fee right and there are community providers or community organizations that have that sliding fee scale Mm -hmm. and basically what that means is they look at what your income is and that determines how much you're actually paying yeah 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 so Anything like, a, again, a community psychological practice would be, you could Google community psychological practice, community social work practice, right? university settings, any of those things would be a place to start. So now that we know how to find a therapist, yeah, how do we know if it's a good therapist? Because there's, let me just be real with you guys, it's really hard to tell on the internet. I, it is. I can't it is. Tell Reviews, who knows who does, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You, I could look at, I've literally had this happen where I've been trying to find people, other referral sources, and I could look at the therapist and I cannot tell the difference because they all kind of start to say the same buzzwords mm-hmm. like, oh, I do behavioral therapy and oh, I, I don't know, I'm trauma focused and oh, yeah. I help with substance disorders. But right. I, I then I see the people come back from those sessions, let's say, and it's a totally different thing. So I don't know if 
advertising is always is that your experience like advertising isn't always accurate? yeah yeah you again take it with a grain of salt you know people can say that they're using things or doing things that aren't necessarily what's actually happening or it doesn't mean they necessarily actually got legitimately trained in that thing mm-hmm. sometimes so it's best to have eyes on or at least a phone call with the person to mm. see yeah right? so you can have a phone call or you can have they might not do a phone call with you that's okay if they don't you might just want to see in person in session. But let's say you get there. You yeah. have some sort of dialogue or interaction with this person. How do you know they're good? I'm going to say if you feel heard. Yes. Okay. If if you feel like, okay, this person is legitimately trying to understand me. This person is actually hearing what I'm saying. I will say in a first session, a lot of times therapists will do what's called a biopsychosocial. So they might be asking a lot of questions. And what that basically is, they're trying to get the background of what might be f- ment- uh, physically going on, what might be mentally going on, and what might be socially going on. Yeah. Um, and so there might be a lot of questions in the first one, so it might not quite feel as free flow, and, mm-hmm. and you might not feel quite as heard. Uh, but that's a normal thing, and yes. to have some sort of biopsychosocial assessment is actually a, a good, good sign, sign yes. that you've gotten into the right place. They might give you some measures to just kind of yeah fill to out. kind of test and see where you're where you're where you're scaling on your certain diagnosis that they think might be going on yeah those measures will ask about your mood your trauma history etc and they'll kind of have like a structured interview on the front end right and what that tells you is this person kind of knows what they're doing they have a plan or they're trying to formulate a plan so it's right. a good thing That's yeah a really it is good thing. it is um so so don't if you don't feel like you got to talk a lot like about the stuff that you really really wanted to talk about in that first session that's okay. That might just be them trying to collect as much history as they can so they can better help you moving forward with the current struggle. Right. I would say within the first three Yeah, that's sessions. when you can really start to get a read for sure. Right. right. So other things is that they're within the first couple of sessions, they're asking you open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. They're being non-judgmental. They have non-judgmental. Op- yes. Uh, guys. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're letting you be the guiding force for what they want, what you want to change. Right. Your it's not goals. about what their opinion is. It's about what you want. Mm-hmm. They're asking you, what are your goals? How will you know if you have met those goals? And what have you already tried before? It's really important for them to know what you've already tried before because then you guys don't waste time right. on nonsense. Right. They don't assume Although I will know. say sometimes it's like, oh, I tried this. I'm like, yeah, but did you really? Let's try again. <laughs> yeah. They might like, ask you a follow-up. <laughs> there are times where I'll be like, yeah, I don't think you tried that right. So let me tell you how to actually do that and then we'll try it again. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of times where yeah, you're- I did deep breathing. What'd that look like? Oh, hyperventilating. No, that's not the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, we, we might poke around a little bit and be like, okay, was it really that? It's not meant to be offensive. It's meant it's meant because a lot of people will be like, I definitely tried setting boundaries. And then you find out later that they said one time that something made them sad. And, so, and they barely said it. Like it was like, that didn't quiet. feel good to me. You know? <laughs> yeah, so we, we might poke around. But generally open, non-judgmental. We're letting you set the goals. We're asking you what you've already tried. Right. You are talking more than us. Yes, guys. Again, horror story therapist. I remember having an office next to somebody where I heard him talk the entire effing time. No. Shit you not. Hands behind his head, belly sticking out, (laughs) friggin' legs open, just (laughs) telling people what's wrong with them and not actually listening to the person. Oh, this human being. Holy Uh, Lord. Holy Lord. Uh, Another thing is they keep your information private. Uh, 
there is some sort of confidentiality form that you are you're either talking about confidentiality when you get in there like hey i'm gonna keep this private right the only time we there can should break be your- at least one confidentiality statement said in the very beginning yeah exactly they'll tell you when they can break your privacy which is usually you know if you're gonna hurt yourself someone else or yeah or if there's child abuse disabled adult abuse elderly right. abuse that kind of stuff right We're that's mandated. the it, right but they tell you about that yes they tell you about that way up front they also usually will have some sort of consent about the risks and the benefits of the process. Hmm, yeah. They'll let you know therapy can hurt. Yeah, they kind of and, – and again, it's not necessarily that you're signing all these documents, all, like no. different things for different places. A lot of times it's just literally a discussion like, hey, this is what therapy is going to look like. Yes. This is what this might feel like. And these are some of the things that we're going to try. Absolutely. Absolutely. They ask for your feedback about how you feel the sessions are going. Yeah. And how you feel like you're you're applying the skills. Like, what's your feedback? What worked? What didn't work? Why didn't it work? What mm-hmm. got in the way? Yep. How can we adjust this and make it more efficient and more effective? They're flexible, creative, uh, and they don't push your boundaries. Like, if you say Dude. that I, well, I'm not doing this thing. Like, right. Then it's that's it. You're right. not doing the thing. Yeah. I've very much I mean, there are some cornerstone things that I like to make people work on because I think that everybody could use them. And if they tell me, I don't care how many times you tell me to do this, I'm never gonna do it, then I I drop it. Like it's, like, it's not worth on. it. Yeah. Move on. Get go somewhere where the patient really wants right. to. Right. Roll with the resistance is, Roll with is what we say. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, they should be able to walk you through their case conceptualization and a treatment plan. Like Right hey, I think this might be going on. Right. I think this is maybe why. And I think this is what we should do to probably address it. Right. And, and I this think is how long? Yeah. And well, and sometimes the how long, I don't always say that. Like my, I never tell That's my people true. how long, honestly, because I just say everybody's different. We're going to take it one step at a time. And you tell me the pace. Yeah. I give people a range. I'll say like w- people with similar issues that I've seen in the past have right. taken if six months. If they ask me specifically. Yeah. Right. Some some of my patients get antsy when they're like, when will I feel better? I'm like, ah, it could be six months, could be two years. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Right. This is my this is my range. So it's reasonable to expect out of a therapist that they're going to act as a guide, help you explore your past, your present, offer education, right. offer insights, homework, advice. Yeah, that they're professional, mm-hmm. that they're that, overall, that you feel like they're kind. They're on, they're on time. <laughs> Uh, time yeah yeah or I'm, if they're late that they at least have like an they apologize and have a legit yeah, excuse it's like not there are more times than like other sessions run over yeah exactly it's not more than like 10 or 15 minutes right it's, you know it's like a little amount of time like a typical doctor's office amount of time right right so what are the limitations of a therapist because i think people also expect that we are just gandalf and i'm not oh my gandalf. gosh they really think we have like a magic wizard wand yeah for sure i don't have that sweet sweet wizard no wand. i wish i did if i could give you a magic wand or a pill and just like make everything fixed I would but that's just not how it works so we're we're limited by we can just give you the tools we can just tell you and teach you how to use them but you have to apply the tools and the skills and keep them in your toolbox and and you have to come back to us and tell us well this tool didn't quite work right like this is why so we can help you better use that tool right we cannot things we can't change as a therapist your environment we can't change your behaviors for you. We can't stop you from feeling sad or bad, and we never would. Right. We don't have all the answers. No. So our Outside of Podcast experiment, I think we're going to table that for this week because we want it really to, we wanted to just 
use the time today to just give you the most information about therapy. Yes. And we'll return to the outside of podcast session. Not to be real, this turtle would have kept turtle in anyway. <laughs> we will, we will turtle, be getting turtle, back turtle. to it, but we wanted you to basically to have as much information as you could about right. therapy. Go find your good therapist. So, Michaela, as a scientist, how often do I come up with puns? I don't know. Periodically. Ah! <laughs> uh. I guess we'll call it a day, folks. It was beautiful talking to you as usual, and we hope you find good ones. Yeah. Go hunt them down and walk away if it's not working. Right on, my dudes. All right, peace. Bye. Bye.